0: Good morning.
1: this morning, so if you have something you want to pray and lift up to God, you can do that right now in this moment, so thank you. Dear God, thank you so much for your goodness, your greatness, your power, dear God, thank you so much for all you do for us, and Lord, a lot of times we don't think it's for us, but it is, and so God, I just want to lift everyone who's present this morning, whether you're a regular attendee or if you're visiting us for the first time this morning, God, I lift this congregation to you, Lord. All their struggles, all their pain and their their sorrow and the happiness, the joy, all of all of the all of the good things that you do to us and for us, God. We're just so grateful this morning and I just pray for peace. I pray for patience. I pray to God that we open our hearts to you, that we listen and that we hear from you today, every day going forward, and so Lord. Um, as we continue in worship, dear God. Please, Lord, we open our hearts and we lift up our our spirits and worship to you at this time. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: contain its joy So mountains were born and mountains were born the sea cannot contain its praise the mighty waves roar the mighty waves roar all of creation and all of creation is singing the same song one eye to you So yeah. To you and you alone. Hey, and hope.
2: Good morning, church. For those viewing online, thank you for joining us. You may be seated. Uh, I'm going to take this time to dismiss our 5th and 6th graders. You are released to go into your class. Uh, now, I've been asked to give the giving message this morning and uh, allow me to be a bit transparent this morning. Uh, I, I pretty much grew up in the church and in my early teenage years. I distanced myself from the things of God in my heart. And when I turned 19, I would say that's when faith was activated in me. That's when I uh, I committed to following Jesus. And so I've had many seasons in the church. I had seasons where I was faithful to giving 10% of what I made. And it went down to 5% and then 15 And there was this particular season in which I was hurt by the church. I Remember giving 10% of what I made, and above that, I, I, made a pledge, to give, for a specific thing, and, and when I, when I was doing that, then something happened at work where, uh, I was cut a few hours and days, and I could not give above 10%. And I remember the church I was going to, not Journey Church, another one in the past. Uh, they were kind of legalistic when it came to giving, and they had no problem, uh, dumping shame and guilt. When it came to giving, and I was broken, and uh, to be honest with you, I, I had seasons where I just didn't give in that aspect, um, but I realized I was restored by God reading scripture in the New Testament, and I realized that giving is an act of praise and worship, and and being generous um, in our giving and, and in our time, that is saying, God, I trust you, I, I trust you above, above all, and so I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm going to say that again, God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, Through us will produce thanksgiving. You realize that as you give, you're producing uh, gratefulness in other people's hearts. You're almost like, because of you, people are praising God because of your generosity. Um, for the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God by their approval of this service. They will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. So we're not giving because we're afraid that God's going to curse us. We're not giving because we think God is some genie and we can make him do what we want by giving. But we give because we serve a generous God and we're his generous people. And out of gratefulness, because we are blessed, we want to be generous with, in many ways. And so with that, I want to ask the ushers to come forward as I pray for uh, our giving offering. Lord, I just thank you for this church, this wonderful church where the good news is, is preached. Where the goodness of God is revealed and expressed in and through our lives, in and through our generosity, in and through our giving, Lord. I pray that you bless those that in their hearts are giving cheerfully, giving hilariously, Lord. That you just allow them to continue to rejoice. And those who cannot give, I pray, Lord, that you bring increase into their life and help us to see you for who you are. Your goodness, help our hearts to be filled with gratitude. And let us express uh in our generosity Lord um, our gratefulness towards you and towards your people in Jesus name I pray amen all right now we have some events coming up we have we have a ladies tea ladies where are you at now if you have a cousin a sister an aunt uh, a neighbor a friend somebody you care for please each one reach one uh, have them come out, connect with them, love on them, and help them to experience the love of God and, and just a time to just rejoice together. Um, we also, I just want to say, if you're new, do yourself a favor. Drop by the hot spot. The hot spot is right out these double doors to your right. Uh, they have a tasty treat for you. Do not miss out on that. Get what belongs to you, new people. Um, your family already, just so you know. And next, I also want to say for parents, if you have fussy little ones, we have a a cry room in the back which provides privacy for nursing moms, and yet you're still able to enjoy the service within that cry room right there, back there. You see that? Boom. Now, um, we have baby and child dedication on Mother's Day, May the 12th, both services. If you're interested, sign up at the hotspot um, this is a special ceremony where parents publicly profess their faith in Jesus and ask for his wisdom and blessing as they seek to raise their little ones to know and to follow him. Last but not least, where are all the men at? Let me hear like a Vikings roar up in the place. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies, I, all right. um, I want to encourage you men. Uh, we have Barbarian Circle Man Camp. Uh, God does some incredible things in the men that go to man camp. Wives, encourage your husbands to go. God does some some great things. Not only will you be one with nature in the mountains, I can't talk much about Barbarian Circle because we treat it like Fight Club, we don't talk about it. There will be some axe-throwing competition going on. But what I'm really excited about is the guest speaker, Jesse Miranda, this guy is a brilliant man of God, and God uses him in a mighty way to speak to us and honestly, I don't want you to miss out. Men do not miss out. Sign up at the hot spot. It is $155. Now, at this time, I want to ask if you would just get up and greet your neighbor, give somebody a high five, give somebody a hug, tell them you're happy to see them, and uh, shake some hands.
3: turn it on good morning everybody hey guys I'm Dave one of the pastors and if you're one of the folks who came last week to Easter and it's like you're kind of coming back or trying out our church welcome I'm really really excited that we got to uh, spend last week with you and again it was fantastic morning had so much fun Um, but man we believe that we believe that this life that we've been invited into is more than an event that takes place a couple times a year it's a day-by-day day connecting with God and living in a kind of a relational community where we kind of really get to know each other, support each other, and really, it's the best way to live. I'm so excited you guys are back. And for all of those of you who are watching online, welcome. Those of you who are at the Poppy Fields watching us or at the Poppy Festival, yeah, we'll see you next Sunday. Great day. Let me ask you, you ever do anything that surprises yourself? You ever kind of look at something, what is wrong with you? I used to get that a lot when I was a kid. Mom and dad, they're here this morning, so I got to say a whole lot about them. So when I was a kid and I'd be doing stuff, and say, what is wrong with you? And I grew up wondering, what is wrong with me? But I ask the question all the time now, what's wrong with you? Here's the thing. This past week, as I've told you guys, I've been in this um, process. I got a phone call from the county and uh, the gal said, listen, uh, Mr. Elmore, you took out a permit for a pool like 2017. Ni- I'm like, yeah, that's me. Just takes a little longer to do things in my world, and uh, especially when you deal with the County of Los Angeles, some of you know. But as I got sick, had some delays, um, and it's just been a, you know, kind of a frequently, it's just been a nightmare because it's my first go-around. And so I'm a couple buddies here at the church, Jim and the engineering and Jeff doing all the kind of overseeing. We're working on this kind of little by little, and finally we reached this point where i was able to go i have to get all the safety equipment and this fence around it and all that and so i was at the county five times literally usually about an hour and a half per time wait just trying to get permission to put a fence around my pool and um it had changed this changed this changed every time he went in different different thing so finally we got through that Thursday was the investigation, inspection kind of thing, and so I run home at lunchtime, supposed to meet the inspector between noon and two or whatever. Of course, they come at four, but anyway, I'm (laughs) waiting, and um, I'm like, man, I'm really hungry, so I'm going to grab me a bite, and what really sounded good, and some of you will love this, is tuna fish sandwich. I don't know why, but it's just like, that sounded the best. Any tuna lovers out there? Yeah, Yeah, okay, well, there's the thing. Um, My wife is not a tuna lover. As a matter of fact, Lori hates the smell of fish. If we have a restaurant where I get fish or something, she wants to sit in the other side of the restaurant. I mean, she literally loathes the smell of it. And so when I make tuna, she's like, can you please not do that in the house? It smells like tuna for days. So being the compliant, submissive, obedient husband, of course, I go outside, open the can, and pour all that stuff over the dog food, because they love it, and uh, then toss the can out in the trash can instead of in the house go to all that trouble, wash everything so it doesn't smell, and then I make my sandwich, and as I'm, as I'm coming to the end, in my world, pickle relish is a gift from God, and it's just, it's from the Lord, and so I give a generous helping of pickle relish on the top of my tuna sandwich, and it's loaded, I mean, is a big fatty one, and I'm so excited, I got the chips and everything around the edge, and as I'm on my way to the chair, to my table, I got it under this hand and I got this arm full of stuff because I'm going to do some studying and working while I'm doing it as I'm walking. How many of you are a little like budget conscious folks? How many of you that extends to the kinds of paper plates you purchase? Come on. (laughs) All right. Let's just be honest. If Lori had her way, we'd pay for those $5 per plate kind, you know, that you could put in a, you know, in an art gallery. I mean, she just loves the fancy ones with all the designs and of course, budget conscious Dave. I get the 10000 for a dollar, you know, the kind that you bring a hand truck to get from Costco, and that's the kind I get. Well, of course, there's a downside to that. And as I'm walking to my table with my lovely sandwich, I discover the downside. It just kind of, the, the whole plate starts bending in half. And I'm like, oh, ah! and of course, I only have that hand. And so I do the super cool dad thing. I do the little flip to get it back up on the plate further towards me but what it actually does it flips the bread apart and it goes up in the air like this and it come, and how does a sandwich always land jelly down right tuna fish down and, I, and it just everywhere on my floor and I'm like standing there for a minute and honestly some things came out of my mouth and I'm like who was that and I'm looking around the room that thanking the Lord that everybody's at work and I'm like okay um that surprised me. But, being the kind of person I am, I took every little piece and put it back on the sandwich, sat down and ate it. I am not gonna give up this. I, I, I kid you not, and there are a lot of days I would not, but that particular day, I was already irritated. Level was, you know, this, the, the frustration level was this high already, knowing that I was probably gonna get more irritation from the inspector saying, no, this doesn't work and you did this wrong or whatever. So I was already, and so I just sat down, and I ate that whole sandwich, picking out the stuff. You know, it's like Saturday is cleaning day, and so this was Thursday. So we've got, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all those days. So is that pet hair? What is that? You know, grit. Oh, that's got to be plaster from the pool, you know. The thing is, I was furious, and I expressed it, and then I sat down, and I thought, what is wrong with you? You're a pastor. Would you say that on Sunday morning? Yes, but not in church. <clears throat> now, the question is, where do those words come from? I've never been a cusser or a person that, you know, uses foul languages, never really been allowed in my house. Um, I grew up with a wash your mouth out with soap if you had the bad, because it's, it really is a cure-all. It fixed me. You just don't want to talk if you have soap in your mouth. So learn not to say bad words. Um, but those evil words come from somewhere. And I can't blame my parents because they've never, I think my dad, the worst word I ever heard was when he stepped on something mushy uh, that the dog left behind in the carpet. But other than that, I don't, I don't hear, I can't blame my parents, never heard anything out of them. I can't blame Lori because she only uses Christian cuss words like dang it and you know shoot and once in a while crap. But other than that, I can't blame the music because I listen to classical and soundtracks I I can't blame people at work because I pay them to be good (laughs) and they would be in trouble too and I just think about it I can't blame anyone I can't blame I can't I can't put that on somebody because the evil that came out of my mouth came from somewhere else but where so do you ever say things you wish you didn't do you ever do things and then step back and say What is wrong with you? Why do you do that? We usually try to engage our brains before we speak. That's kind of how we learn it. Why? Because some things just shouldn't be said. It's just plain and simple. Some things shouldn't be said. But we've all learned that um, we can control our tongue to a degree. But the scriptures talk about that. It's like it's a restless, wicked. You can't control it. It's really out of control, that sort of thing. Um, So we're all guilty of letting things pass our filter. And what I want to do today is I want to kind of evaluate some of the internal struggles. We're in a series called Bottled Up, and what we're talking about is because America is feeling some kind of way, and all of us have all this stuff going on internally, and every now and then that stuff comes out in some of the most unattractive, unhelpful ways. And so we're going to kind of peel back the layers a little bit, and we're going to investigate some of, the, some of the things that go on in here, that come out here, And what that means, not only what it means, but how do I literally transform this person so that I can actually begin to feel like I'm good with what's going on in here? Because most of us learn to filter our junk early on, right? Through a process called behavior modification. And my parents were skilled practitioners in teaching behavior modification, as most of us are. I was a skilled practitioner. If I sassed a teacher at school, I could get in trouble coming home and probably get my mouth washed out with soap, depends on what I said. If I sassed my mom, I could get mouth washed out with soap or a spanking. If I sassed my dad, I went to the hospital. Just, <laughs> oh, just kidding, dad. Not really, but I'm kidding. <clears throat> no, it was, it was like extra chores, you know, get a, get a spanking or whatever. But each painful outcome taught us something. It taught us that, hey, there are limits to my freedom and Um, I'm better off if I limit my freedom in some ways in order for me not to suffer pain. That behavior gets modified so that I can navigate life without as much pain. And that's a great thing. And we all learn this. Don't touch a hot stove. Don't grab, you know, a dog by the tail. There's certain things we just learn. As we grow up, uh, we learn certain words are rewarded and certain words are reprimanded we learn what to say to get that girl to go out with us we learn how to use words in our favor we learn how to what to say to get her to go out a second time we learn what to say to get the job we learn what not to say to keep a job we learn what to say to you know make our wife our friend our neighbor or whatever happy and unhappy we learn how to navigate life with these little things called filters and When I was young, it was pretty simple. Pain was pretty much the limits of where, that's where the filter begins. Where the pain begins, you gotta step back a bit, put the filter right there. But as I grew older, my filter got older as well. As I matured, my filter matured. And it got more nuanced. And so you could see the subtleties in life and you could adjust accordingly and it much more complex. And I learned to control my tongue better. So I learned when I got angry, to count to 10 or I learned to just bite it instead of let it flap I've learned um, that those are those are systems that I put in place in my filters but I, here's what I discovered junk still gets through on occasion and so always interesting when people's filters fail some of you may not recognize it but I'm a holy man that's right. I am a holy man. And um, it's fun when I go out with guys to, you know, we, different times where we're doing stuff, dirt bike riding or whatever, and and um, the guys from the church sometimes if we're doing something and somebody is going along and their filter slips and they're like, ah, oh, sorry, pastor, because there's somebody's filter that tells them not appropriate. But other guys don't have the same filter. They don't filter it at all, and they just let it fly. And one of the funniest unfiltered moments in church was a guy that came up afterwards new to church and he's come up and he said hell of a message pastor (laughs) hell of a job I'm kinda like is that a good thing you know like as hell you want to talk about it cuz there's a real place but anyway it's just like no filter and I laugh and I'm like you know what sometimes our filters actually filter out some of the things that make us real and make us human I'm not saying that that's appropriate kind of language but it's funny, we, we watch movies like, anybody remember Jim Carrey's Liar Liar? This was a lawyer who lied for a living. And this guy was just, absolutely could not, hardly tell the truth. It was whatever made his world better and to his advantage. And, and one day, his son, who's been putting up with his lies his, all his little eight or nine years, makes a wish, kind of almost a prayer, that for 24 hours, his dad would not be able to tell a single lie. He would only be able to tell the truth, and the truth would come out of him. No matter what and it's this crazy movie how this guy if he thinks uh, in his mind that this guy's a jerk he says you're a jerk if he sees a hot girl he tells her she's a hot girl if he thinks that the judge is an idiot he says though so, and for 24 hours his world blows up and it's a startling revelation it's a comical way of looking at something that that would mess you up right what would happen if God took away your filter for 24 hours If you could not tell a lie, and you could not stop what was going on in here from coming out here, if you did not have the ability to cease your thoughts from coming out of your mouth. I mean, think about your children, isn't that embarrassing? I mean, sometimes our kids say the most darnedest things. I remember one particular season with one particular child, won't point him out, he's embarrassing, he's in the front row, but (laughs) (laughs) standing in the grocery store and there was somebody in front of him, he's, you know, he's about this high, and he was standing behind a guy in the grocery store, and all of a sudden he just said, Dad, this guy pooted in my face. I'm like, face, come on, come on. No, he did, this guy right here, and he's pointing at him, and he's making, and, and everybody in the store is kind of learning and looking, and the guy's just kind of, you know, it's like, no, you know, put the filter back on, son, you know, put it back on, and I'm just like, there are moments when filters are good, but let's be honest, it's interesting. That if I didn't have a filter for the next 24 hours I'd be doing some damage control tomorrow I would why is that and, and it's because we think it's all about good filters well you just don't have good enough filters that's why you wouldn't say stupid things like that from the pulpit Pastor Dave if you had good filters my other pastor wouldn't talk like that and, and, go, and you go we we need filters we think civilized people have good filters Good people have good filters. Christian people have exceptional filters, right? We're supposed to. But here's the deal. Even our best filters break down sometimes, don't they? Why is that? My verbal filter is pretty good. I talk for a living, and so I've had to be much more aware of what I say and how I present the words and thoughts and feelings of my life. But every once in a while something comes out, usually while driving, where I ask myself, where did that come from? And we think it's all about behavior modification and having really good filters. And that's why we think one of our primary jobs as parents is to get our kids on the same bandwagon, to teach them the filters, to get them to learn how to modify their speech. And that works for a while. We teach them how to behave and how to stay in line until they turn 18 and move away to college. And what happens? When I moved away, I was actually 17, went off a little early. <clears throat> and when I moved away, um, I was able to continue my life. I was crazy all the time. It wasn't that something I got when I turned 18. I was just a crazy kid. But I watched people around me literally self-destruct, kids that were grown up in these Christian families, church families, these really well-filtered families, and they just came unglued when they got away from home. And it always just puzzled me. But here's the thing. We think that filters are the answer to the problems in our hearts. And we teach Christian behavior, and we teach the rules, which is all good. It's all important, but catch this. Please understand this. Too often, we focus on the wrong thing. Because Jesus says it's not about the filters. In fact, Jesus spent a lot of time around people who had PhDs in filters. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 15, verse one through, we're just going to go through quite a bit. But this, this is an instance where Jesus was around these guys who made their living by telling other people what God wanted them to know and then making it more difficult than ever. They would just add on this stuff. And, and they, they were really messed up inside, but they had the outside polished. So grab your Bible, turn to Matthew 15. Um, this particular instance, Jesus was approached by religious leaders. All right, these were the Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes. These are the people who kept the writings of the Old Testament in prime condition, and they proclaimed them, and they were the police to make sure everybody, you know, behaved. They were the filter police. And these people, they loved the filter. They loved the rules. Loved them. They thought life with God was all about the filters, all about the rules. So they went through and they counted all the rules in the Moses commandments, in the law, in Deuteronomy, and Leviticus. They got all of the old covenant commands, rules and there were 613 of them 365 were the negative thou shalt not, don't do's 248 were the positives, do do and there were just all these rules and then they piled up hundreds and then thousands of rules to help people understand the rules and to keep people from breaking the law God told the people don't work on the Sabbath we talked about two weeks ago fantastic gift from God. It was a gift. It was a celebratory day. It was a gift of worship, a gift of life, a gift of enjoying family and friends and ceasing from your work. It was a gift that helps us be like God. It's such an incredible gift. When they came out of Egypt, they they worked seven days a week for the last 400 years, and he said, now it's time for my people to be separate from the world. I want you to have an identifying mark. Here's a couple of them. There's going to be this one and this one, but here's one that's going to stand apart. Every single week, take one day off. That you don't work at all. You worship, you celebrate, you love, you just, you enjoy the day with me. That was crazy. So the Jewish leaders and religious leaders, they basically said, man, that's really cool. How far can we take it, right? So um, they began to get rules like how far is too far to walk without working? So they limited the number of steps you could walk before you were working. So they made a rule. How much weight could you lift without it being work? So they made rules. How many letters could you write on a paper or on a scroll on the Sabbath without it being work? Even where could you spit or if you could spit on the Sabbath? It was work. And the Bible talked about cleanliness and and the rituals of how to prepare yourself for the spiritual aspects. Well, they applied it across the board to all of life. And so they came up with these rules. You wash your hands when you wake up. Never know where your hands have been overnight. You wash your hands before a meal, after a meal, before worship, after the restroom, after you cut your hair, after you trim your nails, after you touch a body part that is normally covered, which is interesting, it's covered all the time, why is it dirty? Anyway, you wash your hands after you touch the inside of your ear or your nose, which is pretty good, um, after you touch your scalp. And it wasn't just when you wash your hands, then they went into rules for how to wash your hands. And then they went into rules. What to say as you wash your hands. I mean, these guys were out of control. Because they felt like if God gave us filters, if God gave, if the rules are what God is after, let's give even more. Let's make, let's just make them all. Let's just make life so complicated. Just like our systems of law. They start off pretty simple. Let's be nice to each other. Be kind. Act neighborly. That's all we really need to do, right? And then all of a sudden we got 6,000 pages a manuscript to help us to know what that means and what a pool should be and shouldn't be and where it should be and shouldn't be and how many fences and how high and how many things you have to add the sensors in case somebody gets past the fence and anyway Matthew 15 1 and 2 some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem so Jerusalem was the center of spiritual worship for the Jews and so they were like these are the important guys they're in big time and they asked him why your disciples break the tradition of the elders what's wrong with their filter what's wrong with these they don't wash their hands before they eat and Jesus you're supposed to be a holy man you're letting your disciples break the rules and Jesus goes right back at them and he calls them a bunch of hypocrites and you're all about the rules but here's the thing you've missed the point point. You've missed the heart. So in Matthew 15, 8, he quotes an Old Testament prophet. He says this, these people, and he's talking about the religious leaders that are right in front. It's like, Jesus, we can hear you. We're right here. But he's talking to the crowd. He goes, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You guys honor me with your words. You say the right. You filter things well. You have really good filters. But your affections... Your heart, what you really love, is somewhere else. Your hearts are far from me. He's saying it's not about what gets past your filters. It's about what's in your heart. It's not about what gets past your filters. It's about what's in your heart. Later, Jesus explained to disciples what he's saying. And it's powerful and convicting. Verse 17. Don't you see... That whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and eventually out of the body. I mean, they're like, oh, gross, Jesus. Yeah, we know how it works. He's like, well, listen, you're all concerned about how things go in the mouth and how they're prepared and how your hands are. You're all worried about this direction. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from, where do they come from? The heart and these defile them. It's about what's in your heart, not how good your filters are. And pretty much Jesus is saying God's primary interest isn't modifying our behavior. He's interested in transforming our hearts. And this is where church folks often can get it wrong. And this is why we get this problem called legalism. Because people get all excited. And there's a lot of rule folks out there. They're really good with the rules. And they're really good at applying the rules. and, And pretty soon they get more in love with the rules than they do with the people or the heart of the God who gave them the rules, and they're going out there and they're preaching the rules, and anybody who doesn't follow the rules, they condemn everybody, and pretty soon what they're doing is they're telling the world who's never signed up to be a part of this program or this plan how to live their lives, and they're preaching to everybody else and getting everybody angry at them because the rules are the heart of everything for them. And Jesus is drawing them back to from the beginning. The Father has had a heart for you and he wants you to have a heart for him. And when there's love in the heart for God, you don't need 15,000 filters. Some of you guys have really good filters, your hearts are a mess. Stuff slips through sometimes. You where that come from? Well, that junk is a window into our hearts. And it's kind of like Jesus was saying here, "Hey, um Looking at your words is kind of like looking at an x-ray, an MRI of your heart. It's like, you want to know what's deep in a person's heart? Listen to their unguarded words. Listen to what they say when they think only the closest friends, only the family, only the people who know them are around. When we say, I don't know where that came from, Jesus said, I do. It came out of your heart. And we say, oh, no, no, I I don't usually say things like that. I'm not that kind of person. And Jesus says, I know. I know because you have a filter. That's why it doesn't usually come out. You've learned to watch your mouth, but every once in a while, your heart is going to break free of your filter and express itself. And that's when we know what's really in there. I'm looking at this man, I'm like, ugh. I think this is one of the things I've discovered painfully over the years, as I have been so hard on myself and those around me to be good with their filters. And it's been part of, you know, just who I am in a a way that I want to honor God. And so I look at all the rules, and as we should, and sometimes we make the rules the reason and the heart of the relationship rather than the person. Jesus was saying, listen, um, you can apologize all you want, but whatever's in there is going to come out, and it's going to happen again. He says, you're missing the point. It's not about your filter. It's about getting rid. It's not about getting rid of the junk. It's about, it's about your heart. And a clean heart doesn't need a big filter. It's, it's not about building better filters. It's about getting rid of the junk in your heart that keeps slipping through. And he goes on in verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. Wait, wait. Jesus, you don't know anatomy very well. Actually, we've discovered the brain is where we think, not the heart. And Jesus, no, I created it. I can tell you. It's out of your heart. There comes murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness or testimony, slander. These things in the heart are what defile a person. So here's the take-home truth for this morning. Catch this. Following Jesus is not about controlling your behavior. It's about renewing your heart. Jesus said our words and actions are just indicators of the condition of our heart. I have... um, been a pretty faithful guy my whole marriage never had any temptation or actually never touched kissed moved in a bad direction with another person never never done that why because I knew I would go to hell I knew that God would strike me dead no Um, there's a lot of other things that he could strike me dead for any minute if he wanted to it's because I'm crazy about Lori I'm literally in love with her and I my love for her Dictates the fact that I would never do something that would hurt her. I don't need the rules to say, don't be alone with a woman. Don't do this or don't do that. It's kind of already here because the love of my life would be wounded and destroyed if something like this happened. And this is what Jesus is saying. If the Father has your heart, your list of 1,500 rules becomes unnecessary. The reason he gave you those structures is because your heart had already gone so many different directions. He wanted to tell you what it looked like. When your heart aligns with his heart, this is how we live. This is what it looks like. Not to do this and then your heart will come with it. It's let your heart be transformed by him and his love and let him lead you into a relationship that is truly life. And then you're like, "I I don't want that. I don't want that. And this is it. We push back and we say, listen, you know, Jesus, I hear you saying that's, this stuff is indicators of my heart, right? But um, those things don't come from my heart. They come from my mind. Jesus says, nope. Evil thoughts, evil actions, words, messed up stuff, they come from a messed up heart. But you say, Jesus, my heart's just fine. And Jesus is saying, then why do you have these bursts of whatever, lust, Fear, anxiety, stress, anger, hatred, you just name it. Racism. Well, Jesus, I don't have an evil heart. My mama has been telling me my whole life I'm a good boy. And isn't that moms? Isn't that our job in the way moms for you? It's like helping your kids have good identity and self-esteem and all that, so you're teaching them. But isn't it how many kids have you heard go before the judge? And honestly, I know he's in here for whatever, for assault and battery, but he's really a good boy. He's got a good heart, and is basically saying, yeah, that's kind of not the truth. This kid doesn't need a better filter. He needs a purer heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 talks about this. The prophet said this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. It's desperately wicked, and really, who knows how bad it really is? Who, who among us can really know what you're capable of in the right circumstance? And friends, i got to be honest, as I look around our world, it's a world that has pushed off the filters in so many ways, and we're coming unglued. And it's not because our filters aren't good enough, because that's the problem a lot of church people like, well, let's put the filters back on everybody. That won't change the situation. Just like a kid being forced to behave while he's at home won't change what he's going to do when he moves away. Once the filters come off, you see what's inside. The goal that God has for us is inner transformation. Inner transformation. And I've got to be honest, I look at the political climate, spewing hate, turning people against each other. I look at the fake news purveyors churning out misinformation daily. I look at the racial tensions turning deadly. I I look at how the church has become the whipping boy for all the people's hatred in the world because it's the church that's tried to keep us down and repress us. It's tried to... Because the representatives of God in the world... of rules and filters and they're angry at the filters and rules i I look at people in power and positions of government who'll do anything to get more of your hard-earned money and how how mad it makes us when we pull up to the gas pump i i see all this stuff i see corporate greed off the hook parents having to watch their kids every movement because there's so many perverts and pedophiles predators out there Our world is a mess, not because it doesn't have good filters, but because it has a dark heart. It has a broken, untransformed heart. And Jesus says, out of the heart, evil thoughts come. Out of the heart, adultery starts with the heart because it starts with lust. Murder starts in the heart because it starts with anger and bitterness. Stealing starts in the heart because it starts with greed and self-interest. Slander starts in heart because it starts with envy and jealousy. That ugly stuff that all simply reflects the darkness in our hearts. And the scriptures are saying, you and I are broken. And when we abandon the ability or the pursuit of just better filters, and we begin to fulfill God's great desire, which is better relationship, which is transformation it will come. Now, every now and then they do a study, and they, and they do surveys all the time. I was reading some this week. They do a study in which they ask questions of a whole bunch of people like this. What would you do if you knew you could get away with it? What would you do if there were no consequences for taking, you know, for away, away your filter? If we just take away your filter and there were no consequences? Would you murder somebody if you knew you could get away with it? Most of us say, absolutely not, no. But how... How about just hurting somebody a little? Because what they found is the people who are given the ability to shock somebody on the other side of the wall, when that person could be identified by you, um, they shocked them less. When that person could not identify you, did not know who you were, they shocked them up to 70 times or 70% more. Just delivering pain to somebody. Why? Because I got away with it. And honestly, would you lie? Would you steal? Would you cheat? Would you slander if you could get away? If there were no consequences on earth or in heaven, would you cheat on your spouse? If you weren't going to get caught? And every study they've done, every one of these studies, a percentage of the people who would do these things is huge. Why? Why would we be tempted to do some things if we didn't have the rules? Because our hearts gravitate towards brokenness and selfishness. And if our hearts isn't if our heart isn't transformed then you it doesn't matter the filter. Eventually we're going someplace we shouldn't be. So let's not focus on the filter. Let's not focus on the junk. Let's focus on our hearts. And for this series this is what you need to know. We want to just kind of drill down in a little bit. What's bottled up inside of you? And not 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 how do we filter it better? How do we reach what's inside deeper? The inner core values, the dreams, the aspirations, the longings, the human uh, desires that are actually driving some of your behaviors, some of your frustrations, some of your longings. And, And how do we find transformation there? How do we really, really change who we are? Solomon, known as the wisest man in the world, people from all over came to listen to his wisdom, to be taught by him, to study his wisdom, his Proverbs. He said this about the heart above all else. More than you do anything else. This is a guy who had 700 wives, 300 concubines. If you want to know what that means, it's lots and lots of adult recreation. Just saying he was well taken care of in every regard. Had more alcohol. He had more power, more money, more opportunity. He had everything. And he let his life and his heart run wild in all the pursuits of pleasure. Afterwards, what he said was, After everything that's gone on under the sun, after experiencing everything that is be experienced, I've discovered it's chasing after the wind. It's not fulfilling. The heart is emptier than it was before. After this, above all else, everything else, guard your heart. Not your tongue. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. It's the wellspring of life, another translation says. Everything about you flows from your heart. So here's a series focused on your heart. I'm hoping you'll be back. Because here's the bottom line. Get this, nothing else. Guard your heart because your heart determines the direction of your life. Guard your heart. Your heart determines the effectiveness of your work ethic. Your heart determines... Your relationship with God. Your heart determines the depth of love you experience with another human being. Your your heart determines how well you connect, how well you relate, how happy you become. Your heart determines the direction of your life. You live from your heart. You love from your heart. You manage from your heart. You manage your money from your heart. You conduct your relations from your heart. Your words, your actions, attitudes, they all flow out of your heart. Guard your heart. Parents, We sometimes, we forget this. We're trying to manage behavior. And one of the things I love about my parents, and this is, i got to just brag on them a little bit, right in front of them, that they gave me the opportunity to be in a place that constantly talked about our heart. They taught me, and the, the church that I was in was fortunate enough. It spent a lot of time talking about the rules and in the youth ministry I was in. It was overly, overly legalistic in a lot of ways. But I'll tell you, what I always came back to was the heart. And spent a lot of time managing my heart. And parents, that's what you need to gift your kids with, not just behavior management, heart management. We're taught how to behave. We're not taught how to guard our hearts. So here's the question I want to ask you as we get ready to go. What's going on in my heart? What do I need to root out of my heart, and how can my my heart be made new? So that's what we're gonna go with the next few weeks if your heart is clean the filters are secondary and incidental they're not primary if your heart is rotten you're gonna need really good filters God isn't impressed by your filters he's asking where's your heart so this is what we we think about let me say you have a friend named Sam And Sam is uh, going to the doctor, he's having some real problems with his health, and they've discovered he's got some real cardiac issues. Doctor says, your heart has some real problems, and you continue, you'll die. But we can actually address those issues without a major surgery. But here's what you need to know. You're gonna have to correct your diet and get more exercise. And if you stick with this diet, and if you stick with this exercise routine, I think we can fix your heart and sam says well i can't do that doc if i diet i'm gonna be hungry and if i exercise well i'm gonna be tired i just want you to fix my heart fix my heart and then i'll be more energetic for exercise and then i'll have more energy to focus on what i'm eating doctor says listen sam um this is how we fix your heart this is how we fix your heart. We've got to change the way you're approaching your life in order for you to have a different outcome. We need to focus on what makes your heart healthy. And Sam pushes back, but fix my heart first, then I'll exercise. You just do, I don't want to get all sweaty. I don't want to hurt myself and starve myself. You know? just, just fix my heart. And Christians, we've been saying this for years. We sing that, the song, change my heart, oh God make it ever new, change my heart, oh God, make me more like you, you know. Have have you ever, have you ever sang some of those songs, the old songs? Um, Maybe not that one, maybe, um, yeah, just change my heart, oh God. That was a psalm, right? We sing that. And you're like, God, I want you to change me. Just change me. And God says, here's what I'll do. I'll take all your sins, past, present, future, I'll nail them to the cross, I'll pay for your right be called the child of God. I will actually let all the wrath that I've stored up against sin towards your sin fall upon Jesus. I will take that away from you. You will now have new life, a place in heaven, a new name, a new family. I'm giving you all this. But here's the deal. For the rest of your life, I want to transform your heart day by day by day by day. I want to transform this world day by day by day. And it's going to happen in a relationship. But God, just fix my heart. Didn't David pray, change my heart, oh God? Yes. But you know what David did about it? David went directly to the heart of his heart and started addressing that through worship, through prayer, through scripture. He went through a whole change of life routine to manage his heart. And that's what we're going to work on that next few weeks. We're going to talk about some diet and exercise routines. I'm going to be honest. Some of you aren't going to like it. You don't want to change anything. You want a quick fix. You want a pill. You want a liposuction out the pain of your life. And have God just fix it. And God's saying, I am fixing it. But you think it's about a destination. And for me, it's about the relationship on the journey. It's about a journey with God. And so there's, here's the thing. I want us to take a moment and I want us to close our eyes. And as we wrap up today, I'm going to ask you a couple questions that I want you just to kind of ask yourself. If you've ever wondered what's going on inside, what's wrong with me? In a quiet Still, moment before God, ask yourself this, is everything okay in my heart? Is my filter management a whole lot better than my heart management? Is there anger in there, bitterness, rage towards somebody, petty desires, irritations? Are there some things that are getting through the filter that are embarrassing you, are the things that are embarrassing, or that should be embarrassing you, are the things you want to ask God to help you change, and you're willing to commit to doing it with him. Then pray this prayer with me. And just the quiet silence of your own heart, I want to just ask you to pray, God, I open my heart to you. I know that I can't change in the ways that need to be changed. I know that what's going on in my heart is the problem, not how great my filters are. You said that the transformation of my heart is where life begins, that you come to live in my heart, that your Holy Spirit takes up residence in my heart, and the only way I'm empowered to live this life is when I surrender daily my heart. When my heart is right with you, Everything else will be right. So God, help me obey you and working on my heart. And with your heads bowed for a moment, I want to pray over you. God, our church and our family and those people who are, are, are just maybe within the influence of journey in some way, we're in pursuit of something. We don't just want to be another religious institution. We don't want to just be another church that just kind of meets on Sundays. God, we want to be the embodiment of your work in the world. We want to represent what it looks like when a life is transformed by Jesus. When our loves and our affections have been uprooted, changed, transformed, and we have a brand new heart. We want to show the world without preaching and pounding on them and telling them to get better filters. We want to show them what life is. Is meant to be by our lives. So God, I pray that at Journey Church, we would honor you by pursuing a pure heart. And over the next few weeks, God, that you would bring every single person who needs to hear this back in the influence of your word. And I pray this, Lord God, to your glory and our good as we seek to know you and be transformed from the heart in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, guys, we're going to sing. We're going to come together next week, talk about some really important stuff dealing with conflict in relationships. So stand with me. Let's worship together before we go.
1: As the eyes began to open and the blindness meets the light, if you have so say, I see the
4: world
0: in light, I see the world in light. you ever seen the world in if the era said- of